may our lives not be about an empty cross. May our lives be about a vine of growth and life and hope wrapped up through it. We do have sin covered and we have so much more. Amen. Well, it's great to be here with you. It's great to be worshiping with you, man. We are excited to get after it. I can't believe I'm going to say these words, but we're launching out the new ministry year now as we're about ready to get into the fall here. And so this is day one as we look to kick it off. And as we go after it here today, what we're going to do today is maybe something different than we do typically at each kickoff here. This is sort of a one-time message that is going to set the tone for the whole year, all right? Be fruitful. Fruitfulness. Lord, you at work in me, whatever needs to go, whatever needs to change, our lives on fire for Jesus Christ. The call out is us to be fruitful. And we're going to walk through a whole different uh, set of series throughout the year that are going to teach us ways we can go after being on fire for Jesus Christ, Him doing a work in us. And so our battle cry is, Lord, help me to know you, help me to be enriched by you, help me to worship you. May you rock my world. You get all the praise. Ready? And all of God's people said, dude, this is a huge call out. And we're getting excited to go after it. Your life different because you know Jesus Christ. That's what we're going after. So do me a favor. Turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. And we're going to start in verse 1 here. And uh, the four points that we're going to walk through today here, these are really going to set the tone for our whole year. We're going to be doing a series off of each of these points and letting it explode out into more detail, all right? So as we walk through John 15, this is Jesus making it clear to his disciples what the plan is for being fruitful. So before we jump in, let's just make sure we got context. As we get into John 15, there's really already been John 13 and John 14, right? Everybody say no, duh. Yeah. Yeah, we've already had a couple other chapters and Jesus is working with the disciples and he's trying to make it clear what's been going on and he's shaping them and he's sharing with them. He's kind of revealing to them that he is going to be going home to glory. They're trying to understand and grasp the death of Jesus. They don't really get it yet. Jesus has been sharing it out. At one point, he even says back in John 14, look, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Get ready. And there's going to be so much for you to do, and the Spirit's going to be at work in you, and the Holy Spirit is going to be your gift, your comforter. Obey the Spirit. He begins to share these details out to 11 of the disciples, one of them, Judas, not getting it, not wanting it. And as he's sharing these details out, then we get to John 15, and Jesus in true teaching form uh, ends up taking advantage of the things right around him and using them as uh, really lessons, object lessons, if you will, for life and living. And so now we get to point number one. Here we go. Abide in Jesus and draw life from him. Abide in Jesus and draw life from him. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Let's hold right there. 
He says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. You can just imagine them as they were walking along and he's pointing to some of the vineyards around them. And he's like, you see the life going on. You see the work happening. Maybe there were even some vine dressers, some gardeners that were out there taking care of it at the moment. And he's like, I am the true vine. Like, get ready. I'm going to be pouring life out of me and into you. I'm the true vine. I'm the life giver. I'm the one who brings hope. I'm the one who brings eternity. I'm the one who brings healing. This is our king. And he's like, I'm the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. God the Father and God the Son in a massive work in this world as he is shaping each and every one of our souls, as he's building the church, as he's growing us for him, and God the Father having a huge work in that. We'll see some of it here. And God the Son in the life-giving pouring out along the way. He says, I'm the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Just so you know, uh, this is the gospel of John that we were in, right? The gospel of John. Now, if you remember, we just went through the book of Revelation last year. That was also written by this same John. And so John, as we saw in Revelation, he loves the number seven, right? You see it all over the place. This is actually the seventh I am in the gospel of John. John recording seven different times where Jesus said, I am, this is the seventh one. I am the true vine. And uh, the seventh and the last one, as he makes clear who he is, Jesus is like, I am the life giver. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And uh, every branch, right, everybody say, that's us. Right? And so the, those who are believers are branches. Those who are claiming to be believers are their branches as well. And in fact, he uses the phrase, in me. Now, there are some who will say that they believe this is about those who are saved. Everybody in this imagery here is saved. And I understand why they're saying it. When you see the phrase, in me, you could connect it to like what Paul says when he says, in Christ. And it could mean saved there. It could mean that. And, but it could also mean in me like you're hanging around with me. Remember, Jesus is talking to Jewish people. And the Jewish people are following him as disciples. This has not yet gone out to the Gentile world at all. So he's like, for those who are Jews, for those who are looking to follow me, like even Judas was doing that, even though he ultimately would not end up being with Jesus. He said, for every branch in me could very well be for those who are hanging around with me. For those who maybe aren't saved, but they are trying to figure it out. For those in me that do not bear fruit, everybody say, that's a problem. That's a huge problem. If there's no fruit bearing at all, is that really saved? He says, does not bear fruit, he takes away. So I got to tell you, I believe probably uh, this is not somebody saved. The one in me that gets taken away is one who's hanging around The one who was hanging around Jesus like Judas was, listening and hearing, but not getting and not following. And you're going to see more of that proven out in just a little bit here. This is one who is not saved, not growing, not being changed, not being transformed. There's no life being given and so being taken away, being removed from uh, the presence of Christ forever. And uh, this is a huge cost. There is no fruit being barren. Everybody say none. Don't miss that. 
That is a big, big problem, right? And so huge deal. He says we'll be taken away, we'll be removed, treated like a dead branch. We'll see that treated in just a second. He said in every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Every branch that does bear fruit, every branch where Christ is pouring in life, where the Holy Spirit is changing, where there is one degree of glory to another, there is life-giving change happening, where you are different this year than you were two years ago. There's things happening in your life. You're beginning to get a little bit more of Christ. You're giving up more of your demands and your ways. You're seeing things in you that need to be shaped, and you're like, Lord God, may I make a little room for you in my life, and may you take over there. That's what he's talking about, where there's change and where there's shape. This isn't about perfection, but this is about progress. Everybody say progress. This is a huge deal, man being able to grow in Christ. We're not talking about muscling it and faking it. We're talking about God truly doing a work for every branch where there is fruit bearing. Everybody say, that's saved. Dude, that's what saved is, is when you love your Lord, you trust your Lord, there's a little bit of a change one degree at a time as you're growing in him and God doing a work that is going to take you on to eternity. Saved. He's like, and for everyone who is saved, who is bearing fruit, it says, he prunes. He prunes. And uh, this is a huge deal. This word prune here actually means to clean. This word prune means to take off a little bit of the dead weight, pull it aside so that it can explode on the scene with even more. It says that it may bear more fruit. Think of it like a, a rose bush that starts out at the beginning of the spring, just explodes with all the color, right? And then after a little while, it kind of fades down and some of those red roses start to become sort of brownish and then they sort of fade a little. But if you go over and you clip off just the right spots on that, all of a sudden, just a little later, wham, it just explodes with all the more color. He's like, that's gonna be the game. As there's life being shown, as there's fruit being born, the father being the vine dresser, literally taking some of the pieces and saying, this needs to go, and us willingly saying, Lord, take whatever needs to go. May you get all the glory. Little bits being pruned away, and wham, all the more, one degree at a time. As the father prunes us, as he grows us, as he shapes us, says that it may bear more fruit. He says, already you are clean. Already you are clean. Now, just so you know, that word clean there is the exact same word that was just used of prune. It's the same word, prune and clean. It's God working with, God doing a work in. And so he's beginning to say to them, already I've begun to share with you. You've begun to grow. Father's begun to clip off some of the things that need to not be there. More is growing. God is doing an amazing work in you. The Father is pruning. You are growing. This is a huge moment. By the way, this is a, a very big reason why I think this is actually talking to believers and unbelievers when he says, the you are pruned, you are clean, and the branches that aren't bearing fruit will be removed. Uh, it says already you are clean. You know, if you go back to John chapter 13, verse 10, you don't have to turn there, but John 13, verse 10, Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he says, and you are clean. Sound familiar? He said the exact, does that sound familiar? Okay, let's talk together a little bit, right? 
And he says, and you are clean. He's like, and you are pruned, same word. And you are clean. He says, though not every one of you. He's talking to the 12 disciples and he's like, look, 11 of you have this down and one of you does not. And Judas did not have it down and Judas was not following with Christ and Judas was not getting what it was all about. And he's like, look, you're getting it, you're clean. I mean, almost all of you. I think this is a really big deal that there are those who are following near Jesus, but they're not with Jesus. It's the equivalent of coming to church and making it dressed up a little bit on Sundays and look a certain way, but Monday through Saturday, you would not believe how I live. Like, it isn't about Jesus Christ for me, it's about Jesus on Sunday for an hour or maybe 45 minutes. I'll give him as much as I can. I may come in a little late, I may leave a little early, but man, after that, I'm on my own. Man, we gotta be careful. We gotta be careful that we're living life where Christ has the say in my life. Ready? And all of God's people said, man, don't toy around with it. Church is not to be a place where we come and hang out so we feel a little better about self and then we go off and live for self. This is not a moment where we start living for me, but we make it look a little bit like I'm living for him. But then I'm back to just living all for me. That is a terrible plan. Everybody say it's a bad plan. (laughs) Cannot say it strong enough. Time for us to live with Christ. Time for us to be his follower. May Christ get all the glory. May we truly hand our lives to him. He says, and already you are clean. Because of the word I have spoken to you. Because of the word I have spoken to you. Jesus is like, listen, I've been sharing life-giving words with you. And it's been rocking your world. I've been sharing the truth with you about who I am and what's to come. He's been talking about the kingdom and life and hope and him as Messiah and Savior. He's been healing people. He's been speaking truth about the Father and what it means to have life forever with him. And he's like, as I've shared these words, you're starting to explode on fire. You're starting to show massive fruit. My words, my truth, my teaching, my life-giving moving in your life, and you are being rocked for God the Father and for Jesus Christ. He says, yeah, you are clean, you are being pruned, you are being transformed, and my word has a lot to do with that. He says, abide in me, and I in you. So here's the first command within this passage, abide. It is a command. And uh, it's a command that we draw life from him, that we relate to him, abiding. It's a deep relationship no matter what the circumstance. Hear that? No matter what the circumstance, deep relationship. Think of it this way. My God can, my God will, and even if my God doesn't, I will worship him. That is a deep abiding No matter what's going on, no matter what you say, wherever you go, God, I am with you. Deep relationship, no matter what the circumstance. Look, man, it's a pretty cheap relationship when it's like, look, I'll hang with you as long as it's all good. That's a pretty cheap relationship. May we have a much deeper relationship than that. He says, abide in me. 
and I in you. Like, man, I am going to abide with you and relate to Get this, man. The king of the universe is saying, I am ready to be abiding with you. I am ready to be with you through thick and thin. I am ready to walk it through to the end. Here we go. He says, abide in me and I will pour into you with all I've got. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. He's like, newsflash, I didn't say make the fruit yourself. I'm not saying muscle it up. I'm saying I'm going to be pouring into life. You're going to see fruit just be born out in you. Know this as you abide in me, as you trust in me, as you're saved, believing that Jesus Christ is the God of the universe, risen from the dead, and you're putting him in charge of your life, right? That's saved. God, you're in charge. Thank you for dying for me and rising again. You have me. That's saved. He's like, man, as you abide in me, as you trust in me, as you draw near to me, as you count on me, you are going to see amazing, healthy things happening in your life. And our call is to come to him and abide in him. Look, man, apart from Jesus, there is no fruit. This is not a call to works. Everybody say, not that. This is not a call to run around faking it and trying to dress it up and make it look a little good. This is not a call to like, well, you know, every time I see the guy, he seems to be doing the right thing. Like you seem to find ways in front of people to do just the right thing in just the right way. But when you go home, it all unleashes. It all unwinds. Everything is a train wreck. I've been faking it all day. I just grip and I hold on tight. And when I get to the end of a day and I let go, it just all pops back. All right, here's one thing we found in biblical counseling. When you start to go after change, um, real change lasts somewhere between, we'll call it five and seven weeks, you'll know. Because real change starts to show itself to last longer than that. When you start to get to about five, seven weeks, you can hold on for about that long. We'll call it the Gold's Gym effect. You know what I'm saying? About five to seven weeks, you get somewhere into mid-February and you're like, and I've had it, right? And that's life with us as well, where we're like, that's it. I am going to start to always be, I'm going to try to dig into God's word and I'm going to go after, and you get out a handful of weeks and then it starts to fade. Man, that's a sign we were muscling it. Lord God, I am ready for you to do a work in me. Change me. Lord, I'm ready for you to do whatever you need to do so that I am longing for what I need to long for and you have your way. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is the one that bears much fruit. Man, the secret is relationship, not ritual. The secret is relationship, not religion as you abide in Jesus Christ. Man, as you take time in the word, don't read the word in order to say, check, I read the word. Read God's word to be able to say, Lord, introduce me to more of you. Blow me away with who you are. I am ready to be jaw-dropped and stunned with you. Make sure your time in the word is a time of worship and relationship. Lord, may you have all of me. 
He said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is the one that bears much fruit. How do you know you have a healthy plant? You're seeing flowers exploding all over it. You're seeing the fruit all over on it. He's like, that's what we're talking about with you. May God get all the glory. He says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and, that branch, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. He's talking about an imagery here of what you do when you're pruning and you prune the healthy and you cut out the dead branches. Now, if this is one who is not saved, not trusting in Jesus, this is a strong statement. That's probably the way I'd take it, but it could be this was one saved and there's a loss of reward and there's people that go down that path. Dude, I'd be careful toying with that. We are talking about him saying, abide in me. For one who's not abiding in Jesus, that is a heavy cost. Man, don't walk away today saying, well, I'll think about that tomorrow. Now's the time, today's the day. Fruitful, Lord, you have me. May we abide in him with all we've got. You know, this past week, uh, our family was able to go on a vacation, and uh, this was our first vacation where we took our kids with us. Let me rephrase that. We've taken our kids on a lot of vacations. This was our first vacation where we took our kids and their spouses and their kids, right? So we had the grandkids and all of us together in one house, and uh, we rented a house uh, about an hour and a half from here, and like a 40-acre farm, and a, uh, it had a, a pond that was stocked, and it had you know, an awesome pool and a game room and, and 115 degrees of heat to kill you. And, uh, right, I'm just telling you, you can probably blame us for the heat because whenever we choose to go on a vacation, something wild and bad happens, all right? So we literally looked at it and it said, Sunday at noon till Thursday night, extreme heat exhaustion and heat warning. And I'm like, that is the exact days of our vacation, was Sunday to Thursday. So we went out, we ended up having a great time playing in the pool and just relaxing together. And one thing that was a blast was just laughing together, relating together, having dinners together. We cooked everything at the house. And uh, as we were watching these little grandkids growing up, right, and crawling around all over and toddling around all over and Everett, who's two and a half now, coming up on three and just loving to be able to act like one of the big ones, you know? walking around with the adults, wanting to go in the pool with the big people. At one point, Jonna was grilling one night. I went out to kind of help with flipping some of the stuff. And he goes over and he grabs this little fake plastic grill and brags it out and takes it off. And he starts flipping the fish with me. Like We weren't eating fish, but he was cooking fish. And he starts flipping it. And he's like, this is awesome. And he would put the lid back on and he would sit there and clip the clipper. You know how you do when you're sitting there waiting? <laughs> he's been watching, man. He's like, I'm just hanging with you. I'm getting it. And I reached over and I adjusted it once and we were kind of joking and talking together. And he's like, is my fish done yet? And I'm like, that fish looks really done. It was plastic and red. You know what I mean? It's done. And, uh, but we had a blast just laughing and talking and relating and connecting. It didn't matter that it was 115 degrees and that I have sweat running down me and that he is just dripping with sweat. We are having a good time relating and connecting out there. I heard Everett walk up to multiple ones of us, but he went up to Grant. He said, Uncle Grant, I just love you. I heard him say to Jana, Nana, I just love you. And that's abiding, taking time to say, you matter. And this is great, 
even if it's 115 degrees. <laughs> May we abide a deep relationship despite the circumstance. And all of God's people said, how are you doing at abiding? How are you doing at relating to your God even when? May we follow after him and relate to him with all we've got. Point number two, ask. Ask your father as you humbly, prayerfully approach the throne. Ask your father as you humbly, prayerfully approach the throne. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, there's a lot of people who only listen to the last half of that sentence. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Like a magic genie moment, you know what I mean? Just say it the right way and boom, you get it. But notice it starts with one word that has two letters. It starts with the word if. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. If you're drawing life and relationship from me and I'm pouring into you. If you are saved and you are trusting and you are leaning along the way. This is a conditional statement. Please don't ever miss it. As we abide in him, as we draw life from him, as our heart is connected to his and he pours into us, we start to love what he loves and hate what he hates. We start to long for what he longs for. And all of a sudden, the thing we start praying for is, God, your will, your way. Lord, I'm ready for you to get whatever. And then we start praying. We're like, Lord, it just seems like, could you just do this? And he's like, yes. That's exactly where I'm going. Now that's my boy. That's my girl. That's what I'm talking about. You're getting me and you're getting where I'm headed. And yes, he starts pouring it on. James chapter five says that the, I'll do it in King James because that's how I learned it way long ago. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Effectual and fervent on fire, engaged with your God, man, it just pours on the value. As God is with you and you are with him, you are abiding in him. May God get all the glory. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, if you draw life from me, if you are saved, if you know me and you're listening to me, if we're working together side by side, ask whatever you wish, let your heart be raised up and be specific about it. Man, don't toy around with prayer and back off and just say, well, God, whatever you want. Like That's a dangerous moment where we stop actually trusting in the power of prayer and we're just letting God be in charge. But may we trust in the fact that there is power in prayer and asking specifically, but remembering Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, take this cup from me but not my will be done, your will be done. My request will never remove me from your will. Hear that. My request will never remove me from your will. Whatever you want, God. My God can, my God will. And even if my God doesn't, I will worship him. Man, may we ask, may we ask with trust, may we abide as we ask, and may we watch God do an amazing thing. Like a child trusting a parent, 
like a sheep following the voice of their shepherd. May we abide and walk with him. It says, and it will be done for you. Your heart filled with his heart, so your want aligns with his want. That's prayer. May you actually abide so much with your God that you long. Please hear me. Too many people are like, I don't even know if I'm with prayer. I don't know if I believe in it. Like I've asked for a million things and none of them have come true. Like be careful because the more we start demanding our way, the more we start asking for it to just go away that makes it more comfortable, we may be walking away from the very thing God's going to use to change us one degree of glory to the next. Lord God, I'm with you. And Lord, I'm on my knees and I'm trusting you. And Lord, I'm longing for you to do a work. And Lord, this is where I'm at. And I will walk with you no matter what. May God get all the glory. You'd be amazed how often our will shifts when we start truly abiding with our king. And we're like, yeah, this isn't really necessary to have happen. It'd be great, but I prayed thoroughly that the rec center down where we went for vacation would have the air conditioning go on. Dude, 115 degrees, you go inside that rec center, you felt that. And the guy said, well, we put some fans in there for you. Have you ever felt 115 degrees with fans blowing? It's just 115 degrees moving around. Know what I'm saying? And I'm like, Lord, it'd be great if we could get some air conditioning. And that's not what God's plan was. But we had some awesome early mornings and late nights in the rec center when it cooled down and fans were blowing and we had a good time with it. May God get all the glory. Here was my real prayer. Lord, we would love to just have some time to be able to connect together. And God's like, got that covered. May we trust in our king. May we watch him do a work. He says, and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified. This is how we show God off. This is how we put a spotlight on our father. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. You on fire. You excited for Jesus Christ. You satisfied when things are less than great, but your God has it in hand. Trusting in him in the midst of it, bearing much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. The proof that you are saved, the proof that you are following Jesus, the proof that he is the vine and he's pouring life into you is you are growing and you are worshiping and you are following and you are praying and God is answering along the way. Hear me on this one. There is nothing more reassuring to your walk than answered prayer. Follow your king, watch God move, and let him show you what matters so much and celebrate along the way. And all of God's people said, huge deal. You know, good parenting is hard. Have you ever noticed that you never have to teach your kid to tantrum? (laughs) Have you ever noticed that? Like I want my way is very natural. By the way, the first two words of a good tantrum, no, Like, I'm resisting everything you say. No, I want. That's a power tantrum, right? They bring it perfectly. They're not getting their way. They're like, no, I want. 
Like, I'm not talking to you. I'm not negotiating. I'm demanding. That's a power tantrum. Man, we got to be careful that our prayer life doesn't become a power tantrum. Let that settle. We've got to be careful that our spiritual walk with our God is not a power tantrum. No, I want this. May we abide with our God, ask him to reveal what we need to know. Lord, shape my heart. I am ready to see what it needs to be. And may I trust in you as we do this walk. May you get all the glory. Ready? And all of God's people said, amen, man. Number three, obey. Obey your king, showing that you abide in his love. Obey your king, showing that you abide in his love. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Jesus is like, God the Father has poured into me, so I am pouring into you. Sacrificial love, laying it on the line. Jesus Christ humbled himself and became a man. He went to the cross. He died for us. He rose for us. He took on hits that he did not need to take. Absolutely stunningly perfect. And yet he went to the cross for me, for you, for our sin, for our errors, for our selfishness. His love poured on. Father loved the Son. The Son loves into our lives. He says, as the Father loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. This is a huge statement about relationship. Abide in my love. Deep relationship, no matter the circumstance, but a rich relationship requires love. Sacrifice. Laying it on the line. There for them. Man, hear me. Parents, as we build homes that are pointing to Jesus Christ, make sure that an earmark of your home is love, care, forgiveness. May God get all the glory. He's like, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. You want to know how to abide in Jesus' love? Just obey him. Do what he says. What God's word says, follow through. Go after what's being said and listen to him. May we hear him. May we obey him. How do we hear him? Number one, make sure you're in his word. What does God's word say? Be careful. This is not a call to perfectionism where we now read it so we just try to go after it ourselves. Lord God, I see that you call me to this. Lord, give me the strength where I am weak. Lord, show me what I need to know. Lord, take away what needs to be taken away. God, I'm ready for you to do a work. I'm ready to be what you need me to be. I worship the king who is already this. Lord, I'm ready for you to do something in me. Are you ready to be done struggling with the thing you've been struggling with for years? It is time to set it down at the foot of your savior and say, it's time for a relationship with you. Rock me with who you are. I'm ready to be blown away. What do I need to see? What needs to go? I'm ready for you to get all the glory. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. 
Jesus is our example. May we follow through just as he says. He says, these things have I spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. That your joy may be full. Now, I didn't start this series today by saying this is all about a promise of joy because the reality is we can get very self-serving very quickly, right? And we just gotta be careful with that. But the reality is the promise of this passage is your joy welling up and spilling over can't get enough of so satisfied with joy. I'll say it this way. Joy is definition. Deep satisfaction despite the circumstances. Deep satisfaction despite the circumstances. Happiness is like the circumstances were great. Joy is like it didn't matter what they were. I was with my God. It didn't matter. I am so enriched with what's going on. Joy welling up and spilling over. As God's love fills you up, God's changing in you fills you up, his joy will fill you up and it will spill over. You, deeply joyful in the midst. This world is broken. And this world is teaching a lot about joy, and it goes something like this. Man, you just be true to you. You just do whatever you need to do. That'll bring you joy. Please hear me. That will not bring joy. Selfishness will unwind into a massive, massive temper tantrum sooner or later. It's not going to work. Real joy is when we lay ourselves down and we say, Father, you're in charge. Jesus, you have died for me. I am ready for you to take over. Are you ready for a joy to fill you up? Are you ready to stop being so annoyed by, you know you just thought of something, right? Whatever in your head, you're like, that's true, I'm kind of annoyed by that. Like, I when we're done with being annoyed by and it's time to say, okay, Lord, joy in the face of, may he get all the glory. That's our call out. Simple question. How are you pursuing joy? Is this self-assertion or self-sacrifice? It seems counterintuitive, but self-sacrifice God, you have your way. Lord, I'm drawing life from you. This is our hope. May we begin to be experts on joy. May it be all about him. Last one, love. Love others as Jesus has poured his love into your life. Love others as Jesus has poured his love into your life. He said, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. When he says, obey my commandments, now he gives one. Love one another. Remember his command. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Love one another. Pour it on. Please hear me. There were three commands that came first. Being filled up with the greatness of Jesus Christ, abiding in him. This depth of love, this depth of joy that is filling up in you and then spilling over. This is not a call to just do humanitarian actions. This is a call to a deep, enriching love and joy that is welling up in you and spilling over. Father poured into son, son pours into you, you now pour into this world. May the world be in awe 
of who Jesus Christ is. May we love one another. May we care for others. May we place their needs ahead of our wants. Love. This is a huge call out as we take time. Man, a church on fire is not just a church of knowledge. A church on fire is one who is loving. A church on fire is not just one who is praying. A church on fire is one who is caring. A church on fire is one who knows Jesus Christ and has him pouring into their life. It is welling us up and we're spilling out. We cannot get enough. Here's our call. Are you ready to be fruitful? Man, we're gonna take these commands. Abide, ask, obey, and love. We're gonna break it down into four different series as we go along. We're gonna become experts of this John 15 call out all year long. You can see the cross that we have up behind us now. And we've got the vine that's wrapped through it. Man, we are going through a following after Jesus Christ with all we've got. May Christ get all the glory. Amen, man. Amen. May we depend on him. Depend. Everybody say depend. May we draw life from him. May our lives not be about an empty cross. May our lives be about a vine of growth and life and hope wrapped up through it. We do have sin covered and we have so much more. Our lives can be filled with joy and satisfaction and growth and progress and God getting the glory and you finally being able to say, God, I'm seeing you at work and I'm letting this go and you're in charge. May God get all the glory as this becomes a year of fruitfulness, all for Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, may we depend on him. Let's pray. 